You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into a Tuesday edition of the podcast. A lot to get to. We'll talk some BYU hoops. BYU picked finished second in the West Coast Conference. Also had one player named to the preseason All-WCC team. We'll examine all of that and what it might mean for Mark Pope's program. We'll also talk some BYU football. Kalani Satake speaking to the media yesterday. Some interesting comments about how BYU's gone about building their depth and what he means by quality depth. We'll break that down ahead on today's show as well. We are brought to you today by our good friends over at rockauto.com. We'll tell you a little bit more about them later on in the podcast. And without further ado, let's break into it. This is the Locked On Cougars podcast for October 27th. 2020. What's up, everybody? I'm Jake Hatch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, resident BYU insider. I work for the Zone Sports Network in Salt Lake City, Utah. Big thank you once again for joining us on your daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars here. Make sure to hit that follow or subscribe button if you haven't done so already. We love joining you guys each and every day and hope you guys tune in every day, regardless of whatever you do. The new normal going on, a lot of you working from home, some of you still commuting. Regardless, a big thank you all the same for your support of this podcast. Starting off today's show, an interesting story written by Jay Drew yesterday based on some comments from Kalani Satake, and I wanted to break into this as well, so we'll break into it right now. A big issue for BYU football, I have felt like, since they went independent and really stated their ambition to be a Power 5 caliber program. They don't have the legitimate title. Let's be clear about this. They're not part of a Power 5 conference. There are Power 5 conferences that consider BYU a win that's comparable to playing a Power 5 team and due to scheduling, etc. Okay, that's fine. That's semantics in that regard. But they do not belong to a Power 5 conference. The issue, though, I felt like since BYU did that, going on almost a decade at this point, is the fact that they have not had the quality depth to stand up and compete with those top-level programs. Uh, What I mean by that is the frontline starters for BYU, by and large, there are a lot of athletes that BYU recruits and gets to sign with them due to their connection to the university, being members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, or something to that effect. There are guys that sign with BYU that if it were any other program that didn't have the religious connection and the connections that BYU has out in the world, they wouldn't go to BYU. So I've always felt like BYU with their front line, their top starters, their ones, if you will, their first string, they've always been able to compete, I think, with most teams first string wise. The issue has been for many, many years, especially in the independence era for BYU, that when they had to go to their backups and even down to the third string in certain scenarios, that's when BYU got beat because the best programs, those at the Power 5 level, they recruit and have quality depth. You see that with teams like Utah. You see that with teams like USC, Alabama, Clemson. You get what I'm talking about. You can put their second string on the field against some Power 5 teams and even most G5 teams, and they probably would compete quite favorably and likely win those games. BYU under Kalani Satake is undertaken to build that quality depth. Do I think that they're there yet? No, I don't think so. Can BYU get there in the long run? 
That I don't know. It obviously would be a long-term play to kind of see how things go. But he talked, speaking of Kalani Satake yesterday, about building that depth. Here's what he had to say in regards to their plans of how they've gone about doing it and what it means to them to kind of see some of the payoff this year. It's one of those questions that, that I don't think you can have too much of. Depth is something that, that uh, you know, and that that's with development. That's with recruiting. That's with um you know, focusing on details, getting stronger. A lot of that stuff uh, plays into it. Finding a scheme that could benefit the majority of your talent and your and your skill. So a lot of that goes into it. There's, there's so many variables that go into getting your depth ready. But uh, that's, that was our focus when we first got here. We felt like we had a pretty good um, starting group and and um, needed more depth and and, and not just size or strength but all of it football iq everything so we started to establish that i think i wasn't shy about saying that this is a i feel like this is the deepest team we've had uh you know since we started um but is it it's not it's not talking about talent we're talking about depth meaning the guys that we feel comfortable taking the field and that's one thing that you always keep working on you don't you don't it's, it's not like, okay, we've established it. Now we were deep. Here we go. Uh, you know, we need 100. We have 123 guys on this roster. We need all of them to be ready to play. And and um, are we there yet? No, but hopefully we get there. I don't know if any team is, but whether they feel comfortable with their 123rd guy starting on the field. But, you know, that's our mindset. We have to, we have to approach each, each uh, year that way. And we have to approach our roster where we feel like, you know, we should be comfortable with every one of those guys getting on the field. There you go, Kalani Satake. You heard him say when they first got to BYU, him and his staff, they realized, you know what? Yeah, that first string is very, very good. But beyond that, we need to go about retooling the roster. There are some famous stories about him after games early on in his tenure talking about the fact that just the depth for BYU was a big contributing factor to some of the losses BYU suffered early on, particularly if you think back to that 2017 season. There are obviously offensive issues that year, but the depth has been a long-term issue for BYU. And Kalani and his staff have gone about building that up via recruiting. He talked about the fact that they've been willing to adapt their schemes. I think you see that on defense. Some of the three-man, three-four defenses that BYU has run, that is not Kalani's forte, but he understands you know what? The personnel we have is best suited to run that type of stuff. So they've used that, and it's been a benefit to them. But Kalani also has learned that, you know what? When we have that depth, we don't know necessarily what it's going to do until it gets out onto the field. And as you'll hear here in just a second, he cited last year's quarterback depth issues as a main kind of look at what the microcosm of all this is all about. I think that's how you start. You look at it and you, you don't plan on, on guys getting hurt or whatever. That's just, but that's just what happens with um, the way the seasons go. When you're dealing with return missionaries, you're dealing with developmental guys, you're dealing with a violent sport like BYU, like BYU football plays. We play a physical brand of football. And so guys uh, get banged up and that's uh, some years are worse than others. But I think, you know, when you're looking at that, that like the quarterback position, we feel like, you know, last year we didn't have enough depth there because guys were untested. And this year going into the season, we felt like, hey, we, we feel good about our, our personnel in that in that position group. And we need every position group to match that. And and uh, maybe some just are untested because of the, the fact that we have uh, healthy guys that are starting and doing great up front and, and, and in different position groups. But yeah, that's just one of those things that you just know you have to go to. And and any opportunity you can to, to, 
develop the depth, meaning getting the guys in the game as early as you can and, and going through some growing pains on the field, uh, that's going to that's gonna pay off in the long run. There you go, Kalani Satake once again, talking about the fact that last year you have the three quarterbacks. That gave them that extra depth that they needed to really put a team out there that now is really showing some dividends. Is BYU's success this year a dividend of the fact that they're playing a weaker than normal schedule? No doubt. I have no problem saying that. But additionally, what BYU has done in terms of playing a lot of these young players, a lot of snaps early on in their careers, has led to stronger second and third team units. Some of you may argue that BYU's defense, the second stringers, aren't as good as they need to be due to some of those late-game drives that teams like UTSA, not UTSA, uh, looking back, uh, you look at Texas State last this past weekend, even looking back further than that, Louisiana Tech and the like, where they've given up some plays. Well, you know what? The only way those guys get those game reps where they really learn is to play in games like that against a first-string offense. BYU's reserves will be better for the experiences they have had this year playing the most snaps they probably would have ever dreamed of playing and even more than they would have ever played potentially if BYU had played its original schedule. Is 2020 a blessing in disguise for BYU football? Maybe in a way, but also I think it's something that Kalani, it's been kind of a fruition of what he has aimed to do ever since he showed up in Provo. He has never been a guy who has gone for the short-term payoff. He's always wanted to have that long-term effect and help the BYU football program long-term. Kalani plans on being at BYU for some time, folks. He loves the university, the mission of the program, everything about it, and he plans on being more of a Lavelle type based on what I understand about his hopes and desires and dreams for BYU football rather than a guy who sees it as a career stepping stone. I think what he's gone about doing here, building that quality depth, is going to pay dividends for him down the road. And here's hoping that when BYU does get back up to playing a pretty stout schedule, next year there's seven Power 5 teams currently on the slate, that the depth that's been cultivated and nurtured and grown and had opportunities to play in large doses this year, here's hoping that that depth, when they play against those top-level programs, pays off and you see a more competitive BYU football program that wins more games against power five teams than it loses. So we'll see what happens with that. It's probably a year away before we ultimately see what the true measure of this program is depth wise, etc. But I do think that what BYU is built right now is a sustainable project. And I'm looking forward to seeing the benefits of it in the near term as we see this year, but also looking forward when some of these younger players start growing up and take the place of the older players. And it becomes hopefully a self-feeding machine that continues to yield benefits in the terms of wins, quality depth, and the like. All right, coming up here in just a moment, we'll talk some BYU basketball. Mark Pope's program picked to finish second in the preseason West Coast Conference poll going into the upcoming season. Alex Barcelo named to the all-WCC preseason team. We'll examine all of that ahead. And also later on in the show, need to get to a cut from Kalani Sitake about Zach Daw. An inspirational story and a tidbit that we actually, I don't know, many of us knew about that we'll talk about here in just a little bit as well. Today's show is brought to you by our good friends over at rockauto.com, guys. rockauto.com is your one-stop shop for all of the parts your car, truck, or SUV will ever need. And I mean that. 
no matter what it is that you might need. You need a new engine module, you need a new dashboard, you need a new steering wheel or brake lights, even something as simple as motor oil. RockAuto.com has it all covered for you, guys, guys, and they want to make it as simple as possible. One major reason to repair and maintain your vehicle is to save money that you can then use for other important things like your mortgage or paying for the food bill. Many of us have big families. I know you're aware of how much money that costs. Why would you choose to spend 30, 50, or 100% more for the same exact auto parts at a chain store or new car dealership? You can go online to rockauto.com, save the money, and the best part about it all, it's shipped directly to your door, folks. It is the best way to take care of your vehicle. I would encourage you guys, take an opportunity to look at rock what rockauto.com can do for you, and hopefully it'll be the right option for you. It's been the right option for me. I want you guys to check it out as well. Go to rockauto.com, reliably low prices, and they're same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? So go to rockauto.com, check it out. Make sure to mention Locked On and the How Did You Hear About Us box when you stop by, so that way they know that we sent you. Once again, that's rockauto.com, amazing selection, reliably low pricing, all of the parts your car, truck, or SUV will ever need. Check them out now at rockauto.com. All right, let's take a minute and talk some BYU basketball, folks. Yesterday, the preseason West Coast Conference poll came out, and BYU, I think as many of us predicted or thought, the Cougars were picked to finish second in the annual preseason poll of the league's 10 head coaches. Uh, the funny thing about this is many people wondered, well, who picked BYU to get their one first place vote? Let's clarify one thing. These coaches, all 10 of the West Coast Conference coaches, cannot vote for their own team. So Mark Few, who is the head coach of the Gonzaga Bulldogs, who are a consensus top five national team, this is a legitimate national powerhouse, he cannot pick his own team. If he were allowed to, he may do it, but knowing Mark Few, he's the type of guy that likes to motivate his own team, so he probably would still pick another team. But it appears that Mark Few picked BYU and gave them their lone first place vote. All other nine coaches, Mark Pope included, picked Gonzaga as the consensus or the top team in the West Coast Conference this year. There's no reason not to pick them. And I think going forward for the foreseeable future, there's no reason to not pick Gonzaga number one. I know that teams like a St. Mary's, BYU, and to a lesser degree, other programs out there in the West Coast Conference, Pacific and the like, have aspirations of becoming a top-level program, but they don't have the resources or the expert coaching slash recruiting that Gonzaga does right now. Gonzaga is an absolute behemoth that is not looking like they're going away anytime soon, and I don't think BYU is going to be able to do much about it, honestly. I think that Mark Pope can do some great things at BYU. I honestly do believe that. He can have a tournament caliber program year in and year out that could be a single digit seed year in and year out and still not upend Gonzaga as the top team in the West Coast Conference. That's how good I think the Bulldogs actually are. And if you think I'm being uh, too down on BYU basketball with that take, I don't know what to tell you, but Gonzaga is just so, so good. And there's no reason to believe that they are ever going to stop what they're doing so long as Mark Few is the head man there in Spokane. So, with that said, I still think BYU got a lot of respect considering they're replacing seven senior players, had a number of transfers coming in, and they are going to be the number two team according to the West Coast Conference coaches. I think that's a measure of respect. The Cougars finished with 69 overall votes behind Gonzaga's 81. St. Mary's in third place with 63. Pepperdine fourth with 57. San Francisco 52. And then to finish out the back half, Santa Clara, LMU, Pacific, San Diego, and Portland were the picks 
as the uh, how they're projected to finish this season. The good news is I think BYU, yes, they're going to have a good season ahead. I am very bullish on BYU and their opportunities this season. I think they should be aspiring to make the NCAA tournament despite all of the roster to- turnover. I think that Mark Pope has done a masterful job at retooling this roster. And I think one measure of respect for that is that Alex Barcelo, the senior point guard for BYU, has been named to the West Coast Conference All-WCC preseason men's basketball team. Uh, these players on this list but also clarify one thing. If you are a transfer player or an incoming freshman, you are not eligible for the preseason All-WCC team. You cannot be on the list. So guys like Matt Harms, uh, Brandon Averett, they maybe would have garnered some interest and a potential to be on that list had they been eligible, but as such, they are not. Uh, Gonzaga, I believe, has three players on the preseason poll. BYU, obviously, with their one. And I believe that San Francisco Pepperdine... Actually, Pepperdine has two players on it, Kobe Ross and Kessler Edwards. St. Mary's has one. San Francisco has one. Santa Clara has one. LMU has one. And BYU has one player on the list. I think Alex Barcelo is going to be an all-WCC caliber guy. I do believe that Matt Harms has the opportunity to be that. I also think a guy like Richard Harward could challenge for that if he comes to be the player that Mark Pope is thinking that he could be. There are a lot of guys on BYU's roster who are going to have a big say in the season ahead. But the biggest thing is we got to see what the schedule is for BYU. It sounds like good news is on the horizon for the non-conference portion of the season. But I think the biggest news we all need to pay attention to is if BYU and the rest of the West Coast Conference is going to go to Las Vegas and play all all of their conference games in a bubble environment. I get that the idea of it all is to make sure that it's as safe as possible to play these games. But I just think about that. And fans, you're going to get gypped. I think a number of NBA fans feel like they were gypped with the bubble environment in Orlando for the NBA. I'm kind of rehashing a topic we talked about on yesterday's podcast to a degree, but I still think that the decision to go to Las Vegas and play all your conference games, I feel like it's a little short-sighted. I would still like to see programs playing in their home venues and have that opportunity to do that. Will it ultimately come out and play out that way? I can't tell you that. I I honestly, I don't, obviously I'm a nobody in the relative sense of the term. I don't work in the West Coast Conference offices out there in California. I have no pull in that regard, but it's just my personal opinion that if the West Coast Conference decides we're going to take all 10 of our teams, move them to Las Vegas, take up residence in the Orleans Arena or wherever they take up residence and play all of our conference games down here. I feel like West Coast Conference basketball fans, the respective fans from BYU, Gonzaga, and on down the list, are going to get shortchanged because they're not going to be able to enjoy their teams in person. Who knows if they would actually have been able to enjoy their teams in person. BYU has barely let 6,000 people back into Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Transmission rates, according to what I understand about COVID-19, are much higher. The, the, the potential the potential, excuse me, for transmission much higher indoors versus outdoors. So who knows what the upcoming season would ultimately look like in terms of fan attendance. But I do think that fans would get shortchanged with that decision. But the good news is, regardless, BYU considered to be upper echelon West Coast Conference once again, playing second fiddle to Gonzaga. But that's why you go out and play the game. You continue to work hard, recruit hard, and hopefully at some point, BYU can overtake the Zags I just personally don't see it in the near-term future. I'd be happy to be wrong. I'd love to see Mark Pope really pay off in what he's talking about BYU ultimately can be in his mind, but 
I think it's going to take some time before the Cougars ultimately get to that point. All right, we will wrap up the podcast here in just a moment. A great backstory on Zach Daw, one of the best players that I don't think a lot of people have talked about so far for BYU football. Kalani Satake lifted a little bit about how much Zach Daw has overcome to come back and play the key role he has played so far this year for the BYU football program. We'll let you hear about that here in just a moment. Before we do that, I do need to take a moment today and encourage you guys, if you are looking for a unique new way to advertise, we'd be happy to have you guys on board with us here on the Locked On Cougars podcast. We've had great success with both big companies and little companies, small businesses advertising here. You can talk to some of our past clients, those like All Guard Pest Control, who we talk about constantly on this podcast. Seth and his team have been with me for well over a year on this podcast. We've also worked with the likes of Deseret First Credit Union. So we can fit and scale to whatever you guys need for your business, your product, or your service, and we'd love to have you guys on board. If you're interested in reaching out to an audience that's predominantly male, well-educated, with disposable income, please reach out by emailing us, lockedonbyu at gmail.com. Love to work with you guys and get you on the road to advertising success right here on the Locked On Cougars podcast. I love comeback stories, folks. It's been one of my favorite things my entire life. It's a big reason why I like sports in general. I love the sense of competition, but I do like when underdogs and teams that have kind of been cast off to the side and even athletes themselves who've kind of been left behind and overlooked come back and make good on bets on themselves. Well, Zach Daw, he is one of those guys. There's been a lot written about him over the past week or so. He's been a key part of BYU's defense this year. Been a very, very good player on the edge for BYU. But Kalani Satake lifted the little bit, lit a little bit yesterday, talking a little bit more about the backstory of what Zach Daw underwent to come back from what apparently was a season or maybe career-ending injury for himself. Here you go. Well, I don't know if, it, if a lot of people know the details of, of his situation, but he, you know, he was told that he probably should retire from football and take a medical scholarship. And when that happens, you're done. You, you don't you don't practice or play. You just go to school, and you're. We we have unfortunately that's part of the football that happens in every every school, every university, and he refused to take it. <laughs> and so, if you know anything about the Dahl family, you know anything about Zach, that he said no with the hopes that. Um, if he just doesn't take that scholarship and walks on, that there's a possibility that he can come back and play, and have to he would have to clear the, the you know medical uh, clearance. He would have to clear physical and everything, and so he he decided he was going to do that. And then he. Um, got his body right and then not only did he come back and do that he came back walked on and it was pretty evident that he was going to need a scholarship right away and so uh, I think it was nice that that, that our, our staff coach Fuyaki was able to have that scholarship ready for him and then when he did that he decided he wanted to play D end instead of D tackle and he lost a lot of weight, got himself. I mean, he looks great and, and, and did it the right way and became a D end. And you looking at the plays that he's making, it's because of his hard work and because of, you know, his belief in himself. And so I was really, really pleased with him being able to just bet on himself. And then you're seeing the results. And when that guy plays on the field to go from someone that was told that it was done, uh, you talk about a person who appreciates every snap he gets. That's Zach Daw right there is a definition of it. Zach Daw was told to take a medical hardship or a medical retirement and stop playing the game of football. 
I knew that he had undergone back surgery and had worked his way back onto the BYU football program and earned his way back onto getting a scholarship, but I had no idea that doctors were telling him, you know what, son, you need to hang it up. That makes what he is doing at defensive end for BYU all the more impressive. I have really enjoyed Zach Daw. He has been a first-rate uh, interview when he's spoken with the media. I was a big fan of his older brother, Parker Daw, who overcame a lot of odds as a walk-on offensive lineman to start a number of games in a BYU uniform. Zach was an All-American wrestler, I think won two national titles in Greco-Roman wrestling, if I recall that backstory correctly. And to have him overcome what doctors were telling him, you know what, son, it'd be best for you just to give up the sport, and he refused to do it. That is an awesome story, and I am a bigger fan of Zach Daw right now than I ever have been before, and I was already a big fan before all of this news came out. He's been a phenomenal player for BYU on the edge. He's actually proven he has a great first step this year in terms of his pass rush ability. He's been proving he can get around the edge, force pressure on opposing quarterbacks, get timely sacks. And I think he's showing off some speed that we have not seen from him previously. So the story all the way around for a guy like Zach Daw, it's an easy one to root for. And you guys can go read more. I believe Norman Gonzalez from the Salt Lake Tribune wrote a great story on his uh, kind of his background where he was told you're off scholarship. He went and worked a graveyard shift at New Skin as a security guard to pay for school while working himself back into shape to play football once again earned himself a way back on a scholarship. He's now starting for the BYU football program. It is just an absolutely incredible story. So go to saltlaketribune.com, sltrib.com, read that story. By the way, folks, uh, one thing, support local journalism. Yesterday was a very dark day for me and some of my friends in the media industry. Deseret News announcing a number of layoffs. Some great writers, Brandon Gurney among them, if you're inclined in terms of BYU on this end. But other writers like Dirk Facer, Mike Sorensen, Jody Genesee, some great, great men that I have known for almost the entirety, actually, no, the entirety of my media career to this point lost their jobs yesterday. It, it, it sucks. It honestly does because I work in the media realm. I've always wanted to work in sports and to see people lose their job, that they have a similar dream to, me, to mine, of, of mine. And I love what I do, but to see them lose their gigs, it tears me up inside. And that's just the unfortunate truth of the matter right now in media. So if you have the opportunity to do so, support local journalism. I get that it costs money sometimes. And obviously, a lot of people think that advertising should be able to handle it. But in this day and age, every penny counts. So if you have the ability to support local journalism like you're doing right now by listening to this podcast, hey, thank you for that. I am lucky enough, folks, that I'm able to do this podcast and make a little bit of money on the side with it due to advertisers and the like, but I don't have to rely on it as my main means of income. I'm lucky enough to be the executive producer of DJ and PK in the morning every day and talk about sports every single day for my day job. It is an absolute dream come true. Is it lucrative? No, it's not. I go without a lot of different things, but it is something I have always dreamed of doing, and I would encourage you. I, I still support a lot of things. I support multiple uh, media entities out there that I enjoy reading slash listening to, and like I said, if you have the opportunity to do so, if it's this podcast you'd like to support, be happy to have you guys on board. If it's something else, just support local journalism. Help out those around you. I know times are tough for many of us, but yesterday... 
it was a really tough day for me and some of my friends in the media world. All right, enough of that tangent. We'll wrap up today's show. A big thank you, for, uh, just one more time, a big thank you for your support of this show. It is truly an honor to talk BYU sports with you guys each and every day. A number of you have reached out recently and said, hey, Jake, I really appreciate your consistency. You do this every day, etc." You know what? It's part of the job description when you sign up with the Locked On Podcast Network. We are there for you guys each and every day, and we're trying to make you guys the best informed fans out there. But you know what? It is a labor of love. I love talking about the Cougars. It's a program, speaking of BYU uh, University, it's been near and dear to my heart my entire life, and it is a ton of fun to talk with you guys every single day about it. Have a great rest of your Tuesday whenever you hear this. Looking forward already to talking with you guys tomorrow. A lot still to get to ahead on this week's edition of the podcast as we work towards another home game for BYU football against Western Kentucky. And of course, we'll have everything going on with BYU from top to bottom covered for you guys right here on the podcast. Once again, have a great day. This has been the Locked On Cougars podcast for October 27th, 2020. And we will talk to you guys manana.